sounds fun. Follow your cart. Get the ember. Love it. And welcome to KFPL Weekly. This is Jupiter from Manlius, New York, a.k.a. your fifth planet, Keyforge. And I have with me my esteemed co-host. Hey, guys, it's Drazcore. No, I was talking about George. We got George with us oh. today. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. So this is Mr. George Kegel. If you don't know who he is, he is the pilot of Gas Max. That's what I'm going to call it. This is a shorthand. Um, <laughs> but uh, he is a two-time Vault Tour winner, and he happens to be a Magic player. George, tell us a little bit about your Magic experience and your Keyforge experience so that we can uh, get a baseline of where we're coming for, for our Magic versus the Keyforge discussion we're about to have. All right. Um, as far as Magic, I've been playing since 1996. Um, so uh, one of the kids at school brought in some Ice Age pre-constructed decks, and it like blew my mind at the time and had to go get some. Um, mostly not competitive up until probably about 10 years ago, maybe a little less than that, getting into modern and then legacy competitive. Um, and I've, I've done decent. I've, I've won some smaller stuff topped some ptqs did finals and that and stuff like that when i've been competitive with that but long time player mostly casual just recently competitive and i played legacy now which is casually competitive because there's not like a whole lot of support for legacy from wizards no it's a, it's a pretty tough format to get into and talk about like cost of entry for that it's like ginormous so <laughs> it's like uh it's crazy but um so like tell us a little bit about your keyforge experience too so I've been playing Keyforge since the inception of it. Um, a friend was texting me from Gen Con. I wasn't able to go to the Gen Con when they revealed it, but telling me about just the concept of it. And that was like, I didn't even think it was possible. Um, I didn't think the printing technology was available at the time, but it is, lo and behold, and loved it ever since. Um, got Gas Max and just had a feeling that the deck was super strong in playing it. So I started taking that to tournaments and the vault tour and won that and then the same thing down in collinsville just another archon event that i took it to that and won that one speaking of events and this this past weekend we had keyforge live and i know that drascore and you mm-hmm. you both um attended so tell me all about it because i didn't get to go so <laughs> it was actually super well uh done super smooth you wouldn't know that it was the first time that these guys were putting on an event, right? They brought in judges that you, you'd recognize, you'd know who had worked for, for, for Yeti and who were the previous guys where I forget their names. Yeah. You guys said um, Duncan. I was surprised. I saw Duncan. On yeah. The yeah. Duncan was there and, um, redheaded guy's name, uh, with the big Josh. beard. Josh, there you go. Yeah. yeah so, uh, he was there and uh, they both did, both did an awesome job as well as, as everyone else. And it was a uh, it was a big event, right? So there was Archon Survival, three deck survival. There was a sealed event, and then there was a team event. Each one really well run. I I don't know. I was happy just because I I I did better than I expected to do. Yeah, in each of them. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you did really really well this weekend, Draz. It's like yeah. it's like you're all the credit for the show now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I did. So for the. <laughs> So I guess overall, um, I think they said like total across each of the events, there was, George, did they say it was 90 people somewhere about that? Um, each event had a little bit less, but if you unique folks across all of them, I think there was around 90. Yeah, yeah. So so then, so I was very pleased with my, you know, cheap deck showing in in the uh, survival. I think it was 13th overall. I was I was starting to feel real good, and then I had a real bad matchup on my final deck uh, with uh, with X Ray with uh, Casey, and uh, he he knocked me out. He played real well, and then in the um, in the sealed, uh, got all the way to the final table. It was like super super close, and uh, I was for for the for a moment I thought maybe I had it as a uh, guy was staring at his cards right and and uh you know trying to trying to figure out how 
um, you know, Jason, it was Jason, by the way, of Kip, how he was going to, um, you know, pull this out and he figured out a way to, to re, uh, you know, bring back his uh, uh, resurgence, his key frog and his uh, his dino beast or whatever to kill it. And uh, he, he, he got the win. And uh, it was it was uh, it was just a great game. So that was awesome. And then for the team event, X-Ray and and Nathan needed needed an, another guy. So X-Ray is like, hey, you should you should come come be the guy. So I played reversal and uh, we went all the way. We got all the way. We went 4-0. So we won the the uh, the team event, which was which was pretty cool. So I I was pretty happy. <laughs> so, George, how, how about you, George? Nice. Yeah, I got seventh in the uh, survival okay. with gas max pretty much doing a majority of the heavy lifting on that one the sealed i got knocked out when they did like that cut to top 16 mm-hmm. where if i won i would have been in the top 16 and if i lost i would have been out of it and i lost mm. um and then yeah we were your final opponent in the team event so yes. three and one but then due to the records we actually got third because somebody else was oh. one. so it's time to move on to our main topic of uh, magic the gathering versus keyforge and we brought with us our esteemed guest uh george to basically um ask some questions to and see how he feels about it you got kind of got what we were talking about last week uh, i think george you just listened to the episode right i did i listened to him uh yesterday and today Okay. The magic one and the one after that, where you were talking about the uh, the road trip and the, all the successful decks have X, Y, and Z, etc. Yeah. So, so was there anything that stuck out to you in the, uh, in the in the one podcast about magic that you want to talk about? Uh sure. So you had mentioned you brought up a few times that magic players dismiss other games. Um, and you seem to think that it was like a competition, like they don't like the competition. But my experience has been more that we have seen so many card games come and go and die that it's like not worth the time. Um, not so much as competition, but it's so not a competition that they just dismiss it. Um, yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would agree with you. And the, the point I was getting at was exactly what you just said. Like, it's like they just don't care enough to try anything new because they're so ingrained into a game that has been stable for them. Because uh, I think the one the thing that every collectible card game has is is like the instability, especially when it's a younger game. People forget that in the beginning of Magic, since I was like day one Magic two, like in the beginning of Magic, like they went through the uh, the Kawagama phase, which almost killed the game, and they, <laughs> they went through the uh, the Fallen Empires, you know, area where it almost killed the game. Like they didn't come out and just were like the best game, like right from the go and never had questions. Like there's always been a couple of points in any games, and it's like basically how much you know how much can it bounce back from it right and like magic has been through all this it's been doing it for 25 years i like magic is never going away like that's just like something i was very adamant about saying as well um magic's never going away it is ingrained it is a staple it is like the thing that started the whole industry so um everybody everything is always going to be compared to magic and i think that the, the problem like what the, the, what i was getting at is kind of like what you said it's like if you're a magic player unless you're just sick of playing competitive magic like you don't really need to try other games because you have the best game on the market, right? Like it is, it is definitely that. So, um, for stability and stuff like that, Magic has no equal, and it will never have an equal, in, in my opinion. But sorry. what is Kawagawa? See, that's the that's the part. Oh, Kamagawa. Yeah, yeah what is that? It was the Oriental set that they put out that almost tanked tanked them. Like they they got hurt pretty bad economically with it, but they bounced back. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The part that I disagree on on your statements is um, that it's it definitely has the stability and the history, and that's a big part of why I still play it. I have lifelong friends that I'll never give up the game. Um, but I do play other card games, and almost every other card game I play, the game itself, I feel, is better than Magic. Like, the age of Magic shows whenever you start comparing it to almost anything else. 
Yeah, and it's the, it's interesting, the, and it's it's funny because it's really the company behind Magic. Like they have so much resources and so many things that they can survive bad publicity. They can survive a bad set and stuff like that as long as they come back and sure. like knock it out. And the people that they have playtesting the game and, and creating the game now, they were smart a while back. Like they ha- they hired one of my friends, Tom Ross from S- from uh, Star City Games, like very very popular pro, and they brought him in for design and stuff like that and a couple of other things. And they started basically getting people. That that were high-level players to come and do their like basically their testing, and so for the most part, ever since they started doing that, I think they get it right for the most part. Like, um, and there's always going to be a couple of things that you miss because in all reality, for Magic: The Gathering, with the amount of stuff that is out, like you know, two hundred thousand plus cards, like one, like you can play test a, a set for like three years and then in the first day of release there's more games played of it than there was in the three years that they were testing it right so like that's just yep. that's just the reality of it so like they're not going to ever always catch everything but they i think they do a pretty great job like lately of, of of doing that um on the other side we have ffg who like seems to struggle a bit with support <laughs> like like and stuff so like i'm not even sure how like I've, I've heard rumors that their test process for the games is basically did you have fun playing the game yes or no and if you say yes they're happy if you say no then they ask why but i i would hate to think that was how simple it was but pretty credible sources a little more than that (laughs) no i'm I'm telling you magic is um magic often they often describe that as the main point too they try to make magic fun first and foremost uh, especially because they always want new players coming into the game you know um and they have definitely in the past say two two years uh they've been pushing cards pretty hard um to what they think is fun that a lot of the players don't think is fun but that's well the other thing that they'll survive and it'll be fine in like five years you know well, like well, everybody will forget about it <laughs> they they just released a D set i heard and um like um i gotta see Look, what that's I about i haven't played it yet yeah like i i, 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 I was like, at the store yesterday and looking at it and i was like uh, i got some free magic merch even though i don't play it anymore because the owner likes me and um he's trying to get me to play edh again on friday nights yeah. and so i was like yeah maybe i'll swing by but uh like uh the um yeah, they, they basically have a D&D set, and, like, before this, they had, like, a Harry Potter-themed set, like the Strixhaven or whatever. It's kind of based, like, Harry Potter and stuff, so they're really popping into, like, pop culture, into things that we really care about as far as nerds go. And um, I'm pretty... That the the D and D thing has got me like like it's like a it's like a worm on a hook going hey look and I'm like ooh <laughs> like I really I really don't want to go back into magic but that's like the thing like D and D like and that's like exactly how this game came to be right when you look at the history with Richard Garfield it's like he wanted D and D was like his his like case study for the game so like. Uh, I was like, I, I really want to see what happens with this set. I like want to see what it's doing. So, I think I'm, I think I'm stuck. I think I'm going in on next Friday to play some EDH and see some of these D and D cards. <laughs> well, I definitely had because I, you know, I still play a whole bunch of D and D, and uh, definitely had That's... some of my D and D players send me images of cards. Like the one guy sent me an image of the there's a there's a blue card called Split the Party where you return half half the creatures to to their hand or something like this. And so he sent this to me because I was just, uh, you know, threatening them because they were threatening to of uh, the dungeon master. They were, uh, um, you know, threatening to split up and to go in different directions. I was just like, well, remember what happened last time you guys did this? Just sort of gently nudging them. So he sent me this image. Did you see the, um, like the old monster manual alternate arts on the cards? Oh, really? Yeah, they <laughs> did. did. They made them. They made them look like the old D and D books. And they they really look like D and D books. They do not look like magic cards, um, but they they're pretty cool. Interesting. They've been doing a lot more uh, experimental art stuff with that lately, and I am all here for that. They, they actually and, they're actually giving away the things that I got were they they're giving away these like little um, like small ring binder books, like the like spiral ring binder books, and uh, the first eight pages are for card sleeves, like they're like a four four part card sleeves, so you can put four on the front, four on the back, kind of thing, and turn the pages. And there's like I think three or four of those, and then it goes into a whole book of graph paper. <laughs> so it's like they totally want you to play D and D with the, with your magic cards. So it's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, which is you know have, owning both companies or owning both companies. It's the same company, right? Um, it's yeah. pretty pretty smart, right? 
I mean, yeah, they got the IPs. Like, might as well cross them up, especially because yep. if you can generate, you could either it, like they're basically co- covering two markets because they're pushing people into D and D and pushing people into Magic yeah. at the same time. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty good stuff. FFG, you hear that? Like, see how they're supporting their game? Shots fired. <laughs> Shots fired. Like, um, like, like... <laughs> well, unfathomable. Don't they have a board game now yes. called Unfathom? Yeah, it's like a. They it did. was a yeah, reprint of what Battlestar Galactica? Is that right? And it's, and it's, and it's funny because when I watched the FFG, theme, yeah. when I watched yeah. the FFG like commercials for them and stuff like that, they're all having fun trying to say the word unfathomable. And like, um, but they didn't once mention that it was a KeyForge thing. So like, there's no KeyForge crossover. <laughs> like, it's just know. like we yeah, know yeah, it is. Just, we know it is because we play KeyForge. But the game players, they don't know. Like. Come on, FFG. It's true. Help us out. Sad story. <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit. We, we care so much about the game. We do so much to keep it going for you. Let's... I, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm hopeful for 2022 that like the, the silence will be lifted and we're going to start seeing some really kick-ass things in, in um, Keyforge. But that's kind of like they're a wall, I think, for a lot of players that have been, from what I've been talking to and, and listening. It's like, it's like they're all like, oh, as soon as this COVID lifts, like, you... Like... The best thing, the good thing about it is that Keyforge is a really good, easy game to repick up, like to basically get into and start somewhere and just go from there and get moving, right? Like uh, that's the best thing about Keyforge is like cost of entry, very low, um, easy to maintain and make competitive, right? Like especially in a sealed environment, right? I think, but um, so like I'm hopeful. Um, it just really is going to require some effort and some creativity, right? Like um, Keyforge is sure. a great game, so like. I don't know what this. What? How do you feel about that, George? Let's talk a little bit about KeyForge since we've been <laughs> killing the uh, magic side. Like we've been talking about that, but like, like, mm-hmm. how do you feel about KeyForge and like where we're heading with it? And like, what, what, what do you think are the pitfalls and the pros and cons of it? I was actually pretty worried over the pandemic. Um, the radio silence from them didn't help. Like they kind of slowed stuff down. I think the reality is. A lot of, I'm gonna say, game companies like whatever you might be into probably also had the same effect, regardless of what it was, right? Um, they were still selling well, apparently, but just no news on the pipeline was kind of scary for the game. I am now more hopeful. Um, the chatter's picking back up, and it kind of seems back on like the upswing of everything. And Keyforge Live, I think, was a pretty good indicator of how much people still love and care about this game um to have so many people in each event um all three days it was it was an awesome weekend and i feel pretty hopeful about it more so now than i did for a while well all that hope i agree that but I was say all that hope is based off of community um, participation and presence. Sure. Um, like all the things that yeah. have happened to keep the game alive were are based from the community. Um, there's a lot of people who love this game, and we put countless hours into it uh, to basically promote it and keep it moving and keep it fresh and to, like try to help and spark new players. Like I know I've done my fair share. Help from Future Self has done their fair share. SAS has done their share. Luxurious playstyle s- still gives us like seventy-five dollars a month for our. Turn tournaments for our cash tournaments for the kfpl as a gift to uh give out prize support for when like the market was almost non-existent so like i mean there's still a lot of people that want to see keyforge do well um and and we've done a lot but there's you know the gas is running out (laughs) like at some point ffg has to take their thing and make it happen right so um printing cards is not enough and this game is so good that like um i'm at the point where it's like I think that if they don't want to do anything, they can just print their cards until the game is almost dead, and then they could sell it to somebody else, and that person probably will make a killing off of it. Because we've proven through the pandemic that, like, even with like TCO being the only interface online, and I know that they can't ever acknowledge that, right? Like, they don't want to, they can't, um, for for business sakes, right? Like, they can't really say anything about TCO. TCO without TCO, game die is it gone, right? It's completely dead. N- th- there's no question. Um, so TCO was the platform that we used. Then you had people 
people like myself, the Time Shapers, the, you know, Help from Future Selves, the SAS, the people that were running events, the coats of the world, like trying to keep things moving, right? Like, and just trying to keep people interested, right? Like my biggest focus was world meta, right? And like, so that's why I created KFPL. Um, and I wanted to see people around the world playing with each other and kind of communicating, getting to learn the names and the faces and the, the different styles. And um, I think I was successful. Um, and I think I, I, I think I, I think uh, you know we're still going right like so we're still doing things and we're having more fun this season than ever so far with this sealed survival thing so catch the video on on Tuesday when it comes out um, it's <laughs> the first round has been awesome but uh, uh, we'll talk more about that later um, but. The thing is, is like, you know, even Coat is like in there going into the last season. Coat 10 is going to be the last season for Coat team events, uh, Keyforge online team events. Um, they're going to be basically ending. So um, they're going to end at 10 while everybody is still in a good mindset for it. And it's not going to let it fizzle. They want to go out on top. So they're having one last season and um, that's it. Like Coat's gone. Um, you know, they're out of it. And then like... I KFPL is going to go over some we're going to have some changes in the near future um, because like uh, with going back to live play and stuff like that online play won't be as uh, accessible um, it's still accessible, but it won't be as uh, as needed, right? So like it's it's you have less of a captive audience, right? <laughs> right, right. That's a, yeah. So like. We want to make sure that we're going to be doing things that are going to be worth the time that we put into it. Um, not that we ever get anything worth the time that we put into it. Me and Z put, put in countless hours into this. Like, it, it's ridiculous. But uh, at the same time... You guys we continually impress right, for this. For... for we have we, live all these things right yeah we've had help along the way like a lot of help but me and z are the two people that have been there like pretty much the whole ri whole ride um and we do a, a majority of a lion's share of the work right but we've had the muffins of the world we've had the, the screech bub bombs we've had uh the call uh call the weeks we've had you know team exalted we've had kill crazy killing machine um we were part of that network for a while and the only reason we we we, we separated there was just so to be um open about it there was no bad blood or anything it's just that at the time they said that they weren't going to really be pushing forward with keyforge too much they were looking at vampire and other things and stuff so we were just like okay i just i, I think i want to just get my own site so i we, you know we we, we separated amicably um it's just so people well, know. right well, right and so um <laughs> there's a there's a i try to use big words and i sound stupid so i can't win but that's how you keep people guessing um <laughs> but, but, but uh basically um like i just don't know like with keyforge like as much as the game is loved and as much as it's awesome and stuff like that i just don't want to see it turn into another shadow uh run or net runner right like uh, i don't know a lot about the net runner scene but i do know that it still has a super loyal fan base they're printing their own cards for the game because the game is dead because of copyrights or whatever and i i don't want to see that happen and i don't think it will because again uh, the, the same things i've said before the covid was that with keyforge it's the uh, the ip is theirs they own all of it um so for them to not find ways to make money off of it when it they don't have to pay like disney fees or any kind of like overhead for it it just seems like a no-brainer to me um and i think it's just a matter like i said of them getting into a space where they can really promote the things that they had planned and hopefully this whole time they've been they've been like ramping up like they're gearing up for something awesome right um hopefully. can only hope but yeah um, well i'll tell you I, you know and i i could sense it in, in you know what george was saying his voice and whatnot you know i think you know, if you had been at Keyforge Live Jupiter, you would have felt a huge amount of positivity, right? Going, seeing a whole bunch oh, of yeah. folks who, yeah, you, you've seen online, you know, meeting a bunch of the ABR guys in person, right? Having been, uh, you know, part of that league for, for a number of seasons now, the Reapout guys, the Kip guys, as, the as, SAS guys, like all these different folks coming together. And then it never met before. Like you mentioned uh, Ian, who, uh, you know, you guys had on your your team event like uh, i ended up him and a bunch of other folks uh going out to dinner uh, with on um sunday night and so we were just sort of chatting it up and he had, he's only been in keyforge for a few months now and mm -hmm. uh you know he's he's having a bunch of fun and so we were you know chatting with folks like that just you know it makes me makes me feel like hey we're you know we could do this. And and, and and here's here's me, the guy that always says when everybody's like, oh, this next set, hype, hype, hype. And I go, 
slow your roll you don't know the algorithm you know how cards are gonna fall you don't really know chill out like i'm usually right right like so far <laughs> i've been i've been pretty good about about like uh, checking the hype on the logos trade and stuff like that right but like um the uh same thing i'll say here is that uh, that's not ffg that made that feeling that's the community that made that feeling so don't get your hopes up for ffg when the community is the thing that made that happen um I'm not going to give them any love as far as Keyforge Live goes, other than that they print the cards for us to play with. Because that's I mean, about, that's the thing about, is, uh, there's just enough people who really want it to to keep it afloat and keep moving it forward, you know. So and I I was feeling that this weekend. So well, I mean I mean Netrunner has that too, and they're dead. So like um not to be the not to be the pessimist, um but there like I agree with you 100% that Keyforge community is the best community in the world as as far as collectible card games go. I 100% behind the idea that uh, I've never had a more positive community, even with the bad stuff. Like, every community has bad stuff, right? It's just still so much less than any other community I've dealt with. Um, how do you feel about that, George? Like, uh, how do you feel community-wise for Keyforge versus, like, other games that you've played since you've played multiples? Um, I would actually say it's pretty similar to Netrunner. This was the... And I think, um, I think Fantasy Flight just does that very well with their games is um as much as they don't support i mean they, they're bad at it they try but they're bad at it um <laughs> the community for their games from um how they make the games to the characters in the game being inclusive and stuff like that the ffg games are always just very inclusive and positive communities that in my experience um and keyforge has been that same experience with them uh, i think the magic community has gotten a lot better in that regard in maybe the past five or ten years but i, I would say the magic community is an old community and it, um the ffg one's pretty positive yeah, I would say that part of the reason the Magic community has gotten better is because they took away the pro stipends. Like, basically, they took away a lot of the people that were playing it just to try to make a buck, and, like, um, now they're not making that money as easily, so a lot of those people have moved on to other things. Mostly poker. Like, a lot of Magic players that are really good go become poker stars. Fact. <laughs> like, weird fact, but it's true. That's true. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So it took away the stipend. So meaning what they were being paid a certain amount of money per or what month or year to just keep playing. They'd get travel. There's been different. There's been different variations of that, but essentially, um, I don't. I don't think that's the part of it. Um, I think there's a lot of things that have been pushing that community more positive uh that could be one of them they are embracing the casual aspect of it i don't know if you want to correlate those two things together mm -hmm. but along with like commander and some other stuff and kitchen table and draft is generally more casual but they've been doing a great job of that yeah like i, I it's, it's it's just interesting like um like i don't I haven't followed Magic enough to really give a full like opinion about it, but it feels like it's in a better place as far as like the community and the people that are playing. Um, but like at the same time, like I remember like when it was competitive, when you had those stipends and they were paying pros to go to events and like you know they had travel allotments and funds and room room and board kind of things. Like um, there's just a lot more travel on the circuits and stuff. COVID kind of shut that down, so that kind of maybe helped as well. Like in, in some weird way, COVID helped Magic in the sense that. Uh, you know, it put a lot on pause, pushed a lot of people online. They have a wonderful online client with uh, Arena. Um, like, uh, I have friends that stream it still, and, like, um, it looks pretty good. Like, it's a really nice client. Um, it has lots of that's, fun. Uh, that's kind of actually a super scary part of Magic right now, is that... the So, they shut down organized play like, like FFG did. Everybody did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they had basically like the biggest year that they've ever had mm -hmm. uh selling product which signifies that it's not in-store play that is the reason that the game is so strong and for the longest time it's been believed that like your local game store is the reason why magic is the way it is no and never. that's definitely how it's no. definitely how i felt though okay um 
but now with Commander being such a driving force, and with no organized play at all for them to have the like those record-breaking numbers and selling stuff is kind of scary. And then everybody's always like, oh, the online client versus the paper cards or whatever. I don't think there's ever really going to be a problem in that regards. People are like afraid they're going to stop making paper cards. Mm-mm. I don't think they would because they like making money, and as long as they keep selling, they're going to keep doing it. <laughs> if right. I could print, if I could but... print a dollar bill, I would. And they're printing money, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, pretty much. But a part, a part of what my Magic the Gathering right. did that was smart in the COVID era too, though, is is that they started their games and like like these past couple sets, like we were talking earlier about, like these past they're catered towards people in their fandom and so therefore like you have a lot of people that are like getting these new sets and then they're also doing a lot i've I've seen a lot of planeswalker type bonuses and special sets and stuff um like there's one that just came out that was like 250 bucks a box it was ridiculous but like i guess it just has a lot of good foils and a lot of good uh like edh things (laughs) and it's not uh they are definitely gouging on a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're saying. That's a whole different. That's a whole different thing. But yes. Yeah, but like, um, so they're they they know what they're doing as far as making money goes and making things, quote unquote, collectible. I mean, the idea of like a foil card versus a regular yeah. card never got the idea. Like, I I was never behind foil cards. They warp a so foil. easily. Because <laughs> I was played Magic, you know, early, so foils mm-hmm. were not a thing, and. Is foil just literally the same exact thing as a card, except it's it's a little holographic or whatever? Yeah, they, they the shiny. whole card the whole the whole card becomes Ewok, basically. It's like, ooh, look, shiny stuff. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Interesting. Nah. Interesting. So you know it's interesting because like um I guess in Keyforge, right, they don't really have that. Like the things that are the the chase things that you're trying to go after are like true game things like it's you know There's nothing. every set has its you know sins or its horsemen or, or whatever that people are excited about or your anomalies with the lightning that's cool but like there's no like foil stuff but the the chase element of keyforge is something that we make up like mm-hmm. there's there's not really a chase element in keyforge the chase is the deck like finding the deck mm-hmm. And I think that um, a lot of people get tripped up on that. Like, they just assume that there's going to be, like, a less of a run or more of a run. I think the only thing that was really kind of chasey was the anomalies when they were out. Because they seem to be pretty rare. Hard to find. Yeah. Hard yeah. to get a hold of. So, they they do have the alternate art decks. And they also have the, the store decks that have, like, the little logo on the front of them. Which is actually pretty cool to like support your local store and be like, oh, check it out. And I go to this store and I got a Keyforge deck that has the name on it, which mm-hmm. I don't have any of. Um, and I would like some, but that's another. I just ripped up okay. three of them into my cube. <laughs> oh, no. so, so actually, funny story. Before I realized that this was a thing, back this was back pretty early when I was playing, you know, very casually and was just like collecting stuff. I saw a... Um, it was a, a game store deck, but the name of the game... I wish I remember the name of it now. The name of the game store was something like like D20 General or something. Uh, and so the deck name was like something something D20 General. And like I just thought it was like... I didn't realize this was a store deck. I thought it was like an algorithm thing. And I was like, D20 General, that's awesome. And it was like... It was a terrible deck, so it was like $5. So I was like, <laughs> I'm going to get it. So I, so I got it. And I uh, realized how bad it was, but um, <laughs> um, then realized like, oh, this is like part of a store thing and just like thought it was super cool. Super cool. Yeah. So Magic versus cool. Keyforge, I think, is is really like we said, it's like apples and oranges. Like we said that the first podcast, I was like, I don't think it's really overly comparable. I do think that personally, I think like, again, my opinion, nothing else. Um, I do think that magic players just don't care to play other games for the most part, right? There is always going to be people that will play other games. And obviously like we came over from magic, right, George. But like, uh, the, the thing is, is that for the most part, they're just really happy playing a game that's been steady. It's been consistent. It's been a staple for many, many of years, and it has been more up than down. Um, FFG, take notes. That is the key to success for any kind of card games. Um, and I hate to be such a, a prick to them because um, I know that they're doing their best in what they have capability-wise. But um, 
it's tiring to be a fan of FFG. I don't know how some of you people have been through like Lord of the Rings and Netrunner and all these games and stuff like that. And you're still here for for Keyforge. It's it's fascinating because I don't think I could I could do that. <laughs> so so actually, I I have a question. I was just thinking about this based on our discussion of deck names. So. So in Keyforge, there's definitely this concept of like quote unquote your deck, right? Like uh, George, you know, you were talking about, uh, you know, um, Gas Max being like that's like your deck. It, it has a name, right? And nobody else can have those exact cards. In Magic, is there anything kind of sort of like that, or is it just no? Hey, you have to change sets so often. There's not this personal connection to the specific set of cards. Too much net decking. I don't know what no, you think. there, there actually, there absolutely, there absolutely is a similar thing, um, okay. and they're almost like they're they're communities, but it's almost like being on a team of like a certain style of deck. So okay. there's there's two versions of this. Um, one is in Commander, where Commander I would say is a more personal format. You put a hundred cards together and due to the more casual it's, nature it's, of it. Inside note, it's Singleton for you Drazz mm -hmm. you don't know. So it's like you can yeah, only have okay, one of any Yeah, okay. Okay, so more unique there. Got one it. Of, yeah. So like, I'm working on a Paul Rudd commander deck. I got an altar done of, um, I don't know if you've seen the video where Paul Rudd interviews himself on Hot Ones. They spliced it where it's like Paul Rudd on both sides. No. Um, and there's there's a commander deck and it's essentially a guy that like clones himself to go do two things at the same time. Um, so I had that altered into Paul Rudd and the whole deck, I'm just going to put Paul Rudd movie references in it or like other Paul Rudd references like mm. his um, his thing on the Conan O'Brien show where he does the same clip every single time. Uh, stuff like that. So that's a very personal deck to me that mm. nobody else yeah. is going to have. Um, the but the difference, the other... but the difference to that though is that if I wanted to do copy you, I could copy you. Yeah, you could, you could copy. Sure, me. Right. Sure. So, so there, there is, there is. That's like, like at least in Keyforge, you know that nobody can copy Gas Max. There is never going to be another Gas Max. That's where Drascore is coming from, I think. Well, uh, I, I no, I, I. So I knew physically you could create the same deck, right? I, I guess. George was going where I was thinking just in terms of like, okay. is there that affinity where it's like you do something that is like, this makes it my thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, there's, 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 there's 200,000 cards in Magic, like over 200,000 cards printed types of cards. Like, uh, so <laughs> there's a good chance that you could find your niche. Yeah. So, so go ahead, George, with your second piece. I want to hear this. <laughs> so the second part of this is for mostly for older formats you probably won't see this as much in standard um although people still have like known for a type of deck um but in these older formats like modern and legacy you have players who stay with a deck for a long time like possibly 10 20 years even and oh, wow. they're known they're known for playing that deck and like that deck only and they're specialists in that deck and then you have communities based around that deck. So in the sense of everybody copying each other, you also have a sense of community in doing that, that we don't have like, eh, maybe there isn't, I'm just not in them, but like a Logos Keyforge deck Discord server, but I'm in a High Tide Discord server where I only talk about that one magic deck. Hmm. And in one magic deck in legacy format, I'm curious. Like, is it is it a thing where if you create that deck, you are happy that other people are now trying to like follow in your footsteps because that means you did something impactful? Are you think of it? Like, think hey, of it. This is my deck. Like, you know, other people are copying me. Like, what? How, how does that go? It's so hard to create um, a new deck in these older formats that. I, I honestly wouldn't even... I couldn't answer that question. Okay. Um, I, if I personally created a deck and then everybody started playing it, I would be pretty happy about that. I would feel successful okay. in that kind of way. Cool. Um, but there's community in the sense of going over the deck, and everybody still does, like... Um, and I think Jupiter mentioned this in the, in the last Magic episode. People net deck, and then they want to change their one or two cards to kind of mm -hmm. tweak it and give it their own personality. 
um, there is that in those communities and people discuss it and go back and forth and you can have a group of friends that all just play the same deck and there's um there's something kind of special about that that's not the same in Keyforge and while you can't have the same deck somebody could certainly try to find a deck that's very close or even better than Gas Max and have all of this like library access and control the weeks and restaurant Guntus and be those three I even have another one that has um I have a time traveler deck that I bought off Aurora that has library access, face shift, restoring guntus, control of the week. It has all that stuff and it's the same three house combos. Um but lost not. in the first round of survival with it. But it, yeah, it's not I guess. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah you can you can try to copy, but you're not gonna really copy, you know? Yeah, and, right. and so much of a deck is in my opinion, is yes, it's the lead cards, but it's also the 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 medium cards in between that how are you setting up yeah. your lead cards, you know, and that that's where it really starts to get to the point of like, well, you're never going to have the same deck, even if even if you've got like the four key cards, the rest are just not going to set it up the same way. Maybe it's better. Maybe it's worse. You know? Yeah, there's it's funny that the bad cards create more memorable moments. <laughs> I remember the games where a dimension door wins me the game way <laughs> more than than the restaurant Guntus winning me the game, which is like probably half of my games you know like mm -hmm. the dimension door gets used so little that when i actually do like oh my god all three of my logos creatures are in play and i have dimension door and i actually get to do it it's mm -hmm. like one out of a hundred games it's an event for me <laughs> um so those are it's funny because they're so bad and you hate them but then when they happen it I don't know. It feels special. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I actually got value. Woo! You know. <laughs> yeah. That's that's part of the that's part of what Richard Garfield wanted though. Like when he created the game and he, he gave you a set deck, is that he wants you to use those cards that like in Magic you would go, wow, Dimension Door. This card sucks. Put it in the common pile. Never see it again unless you're using it to mark up for a proxy. Like that's <laughs> that's the Magic mentality for cards that are bad, yeah. right? Like uh, nobody nobody is gonna play Tybalt, right? Like um, <laughs> so it's like uh. It's it's just one of those. I, uh, I know. I, there, there's, there's. I know. There's a thing. But like uh, what you were speaking about earlier with the communities and stuff like that. I think that in Magic that is one of the cool things because like I was a big Scred player, so like I was in the Scred group for when I was playing, and I was also in the white in the white present. It's not meant for you, <laughs> but uh, I was in the white prison group. So like uh, like playing like the uh, you know the uh, the like mono white white like Boreos prisons and stuff like that. So like um, it's cool because like you. In magic, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like music. It's like you're probably not coming up with nothing that's too original, right? Like everything seems to have been done, and you make variants and you push variants of the things that have been done, and you try to revisit them when the time is right, like when you know certain maybe a new card is released that gives it some kind of life again, and you see if you can like basically exploit it and stuff like that. In all these communities, like um, like the passion for their type of deck is crazy. Like um, I like remember. Like I remember the Merfolk community. Um, <laughs> the people who play Merfolk are very, very committed to their fish. Uh, I will say that. Um, and yeah. it's funny because there's really only so many things you can do. But the, with the like the you know five or six cards of difference, like you can get like some really heated debates about it and like basically reasonings and and talks and stuff like that. So the uh, plutonic nature of Magic: The Gathering and, and deck creation is something I do miss because it's really fun and stuff like that. But um, in Keyforge, the fun of the game is the fact that I'm playing cards I would never even think of playing sometimes because there's maybe like one or two bad cards in the deck that I got that I just I wish they weren't there, but the rest of the deck is just too good not to play. So like, I, I think like this is that apples to oranges comparison where I don't think the two communities really overlap the way that. Um, we could find like a, a, a pseudo connection, right? Like we could find a pseudo connection, but the way that magic goes about creating their decks and the way we go about exploring and, and discovering our decks are very, very, very unique and, and different things. So an equal comparison of the two games, I don't think will ever, ever be something that happens. But the, the reason that I started, we started this line of thinking is because Honestly, I think Keyforge is the best companion game for Magic that you could have because of how different they are, but yet similar. How, like, what do you I think about say, that? I always say that, um, and especially when I'm like playing with Magic players or trying to teach them, that 
Everything in Keyforge is the opposite of what it would be in Magic. Exactly. As much as possible. <laughs> um, and that's generally if I'm trying to figure out like a ruling or how cards interact, I think, how would this happen in Magic? And then once I understand that, it's probably the opposite. And then that helps me figure stuff out, essentially. Yeah, day one, day one of playing uh, Keyforge and teaching people how to play, basically... I, I getting people not to just put creatures on the board and actually go after Amber was the hardest thing to teach people. <laughs> Impossible. Yeah. But even the, the turn structure is backwards. You untap and draw at the end of the turn. You know, all the even little things, things come into play tapped. Um, when you check for your triggers and everything, all of that is all like opposite. You know, the backwards, whole draw thing is definitely... Magic. That is definitely an interesting part because it's like that is a more modern board game design thing where you can almost actually I wonder if you went back and looked at what the years were you could you could probably start to see when games started drawing cards at the end of their turn instead of the beginning such that you have more time to consider what you're doing and not uh, you know not have that wait time at the beginning of your turn well after Magic came out certainly mm -hmm. but. Uh, I don't know what five to ten years like ago. Okay, okay, well, that one I've not played. But uh, yeah, five ten years ago, the board games realized, hey, if you just draw at the end of your turn, it makes the game go quicker, which is nice. Yeah, I never even thought of it in that regards. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, because you you lose that that thinking scratching head time. You've while you're waiting for your friend to go on his turn in a four player game, you just be looking at your cards instead of have to wonder what you're going to get. But it also it also ends your hope and your uh, the excitement feeling, right? Like <laughs> in Magic, you're like, oh, I'm gonna top Maybe deck I'll draw this. My out. <laughs> what is the power creep environment in Magic? And then we can sort of talk about how that works in with Keyforge. Ma in Magic, the power level ebbs and flows. Okay. Um, I would almost say like a roller coaster. You have your highs and your lows. In addition to that they tweak the knobs of individual card types. So, for instance, I would say probably the Innistrad mm -hmm. level, maybe like 2012-ish, maybe a couple of years before that, actually. They started increasing the power level of creatures and decreasing the power level of your instants and sorceries and your spells, like okay. your cards that draw cards, your removal cards... Um, decreasing the power level of those, increasing the power level of creatures, which I actually think it is more beginner-friendly to do more creature stuff and less stack-based um, interaction, which, for people that know the stack, is kind of whenever you do something, your opponent gets a chance to respond to it immediately rather than an entire turn going by. You can respond on each other's turns at any given time. Um, with specific effects, so they did. They did nerf that a bit too when they stopped interrupts, right? Like they made everything an instant, so they could c create the stack because they used to have interrupts for, which were faster than um, instants. So like they basically, I think that that was kind of a good cutback, but oh, they changed it to first on, last off. That's uh, that's mm -hmm. like the, that was the biggest change in like the whole sequencing system for Magic because before you used to be able to be like, I'm gonna play this instant, and then you could play an interrupt, and the interrupt would trump the would trump the uh, the thing that was happening, but now it's like the way they do it is like when you put something on the stack, everything above it resolves before you get to that. Like it's like mm -hmm. weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not weird. Yeah. It's it's how it works. It makes a lot of sense once you get used to it. But like it was definitely a big change, like a big change when it first came out. But yeah, yeah. I guess back to back back to the power creep thing. I remember in particular, and I just found the card because I couldn't remember the name, but I was googling over here. So I remember getting the card incinerate um i got like a bunch of them because they were commons right and it's, it's, it's still you know, not a lightning bolt yeah it well exactly so it's <laughs> one red mana and one colorless mana and it deals three damage but then like oh you instead of being just one red mana which is lightning bolt this you pay the extra mana in order to not allow the thing to regenerate which almost never matters and i just remember feeling like i had a whole bunch of cards that like were I was paying extra for these scenarios that like never actually mattered against some of my buddies who had just decks full of lightning bolts, and I would just lose because I was paying twice as much for everything for 
for actually no advantage. So I don't I don't know if that's still a thing or or that's if... that's true in both games, right? Like because Coda, like the cards in Coda that are in Coda, the best of the best cards in Coda are still the best mm-hmm. cards ever printed in the game. It's just like the Power Nine and all these other things in Magic, where it's like you have like Moxes and Lotuses and things you'll just never see again. Channel Fireball, like really, just pay my life to win? Okay, cool. <laughs> like, like uh, you know, like basically, whenever a new game comes out, like they they come out and they go, I think this is how it's gonna work. And then, I, like like we said with the playtesting thing, like they're, they're like, I think this is okay. And then people break it, right? Like that's what we do. Right. Like we we play to break a game, and um and like. In the couple weeks that it's out, like, they learn quickly that, oh, crap, this is way too strong. Like, what were we thinking? Right? And then they start adjusting it. And you see that in Keyforge and you see that in Magic. Because, like, a lot of the cards, quote-unquote newer cards, are just old cards that have been remade to fit, like, what is going on with the game at the time. Right? And the same in Keyforge. Like, you see, like, you know, hey, Control the Weak, probably too strong. Maybe we'll just make it into a mark of dis. Still kind of strong. Okay, illusions of grandeur. Oh, that seems okay. <laughs> like, like. <laughs> I guess I guess in key 4s because you can't individually select the cards and it's just the whole Yes. either whole bundle of the deck like it, it, it's a different dynamic. Now now certainly the, it's going to be really interesting to see how they're able to keep power level between sets like roughly on par like it you know clearly well, there's there's strong opinions out there that they're not all even right um and i tend to agree with those um but they're, but, they're but gonna a- try but aoa used to be complete trash and then it got its spike when mm came it still out still is is it like i still see i still see no, it being never was never was except for i mean so so th- remember this is the guy who who won't pay a lot for decks right so just the so the aoa normal... should be your house that should be your wheel because you paid like 30 bucks for a box for aoa <laughs> That's uh, uh, i did miss out on the 10 dollars boxes that <laughs> make me sad <laughs> it's the fallen empires of the set for of the game for sure but either way it's like the thing is is like with, when you get the best of the best aoa decks they're really competitive they're really good they and stuff Sure. Um, but there's just not as many like the way people are judging sets right now, whether they know it or not, or they think about it, or like you've thought about this, is like we judge the set based on the bulk average. That's why MM is so good because it's above average compared to everybody else. Like the average deck is better than the average deck of any other set, and that's how people are looking at sets and stuff like that. They're not looking at the very top tier because the very top tier of all the sets are very competitive with each other i think for the most part like yes yes there are some that are better than others um you know because of certain cards and certain power levels but like uh, like infernus is just busted the card is like really really good and when you get a really great infernus deck it's just so disruptive that it's really hard to do anything with but at the same time having a coda deck that has three control of the weeks or so and has like three dust pixies and like you know two chodas and a nature's call or whatever or a choda and two nature's call or whatever like just as gross, right? Like, and, and it's just like, it's a matter then of just being able to recognize your opponent's deck, what they're trying to do, and disrupt it enough to get you to a point of advantage to win. And that's the, the, the chess of the game. And that's, I like the turn-based system for that reason because it helps you to kind of line up your turns and stuff like that. And then when your opponent makes his moves, you get to see them and get to you get to re- react to them in a way that, like you know you basically build it's kind of like you go back and forth back and forth until an advantage is made and then like it almost like in tennis like and when you once you get that advantage you win by getting another you know by pushing forward um or like in chess this, is, even. A, this mm-hmm. is a good point to actually compare with magic mm-hmm. and an argument that a lot of magic players will say uh is that they don't like the lack of the instant speed interaction Mm-hmm. They always want to respond immediately to something. Mm-hmm. And the more board games you play, you don't need to respond immediately to everything as long as you have a um, an opportunity in between um, their win in between condition like the A and the yeah, the A and the B. So like in Keyforge, yeah, it's a whole turn. You don't get to respond to their turn. But everything comes into play exhausted. You don't get to use it right away. Mm-hmm. They get the the action abilities right away, right? Um, and some creatures have the play effects that they get right away. But as far as fighting, reaping, using artifacts and stuff like that, there's you have an opportunity to respond. You can destroy them, wipe them, fight them, whatever. Um, 
there's not the t- and the timing of the interaction isn't as important as the ability to interact and yes. the back and forth like you said the tennis back and forth which Keyforge definitely has it's it's very tug of war feeling mm-hmm. where you're um that's a good analogy. Not, That's a good analogy. It's not uncommon to feel in a game of Keyforge. It's not uncommon to feel like you're winning and then losing on like every other turn. <laughs> you feel like you're in the lead, then you feel like they're in the lead. Yeah. Whereas, which makes it exciting. You can you can? It does make it exciting. Um, and that's part of what the gameplay in this game really pulled me in. Is that the the big swinginess of it? I, I call it swinginess. That, yeah, the back and forth of it. And magic's not... You can. There's decks that can come back and do stuff like that. But it's more of a... A slow comeback for, than it is really like a swinginess of it, you know? Because mm. if in magic, if you're both like hammering each other's life totals with like creatures and attacking and stuff, then... It's a race. Yes, you might like... I take five damage, you take five damage, I take five damage, you take five damage. That's not swinging in this, really. It's it's like who hits the bottom first. It, mm-hmm. it is a race, but it's like a race to the bottom versus a race to the top. Mm-hmm. There's a difference in it. Um, I don't know how many Magic players like watch me play Keyforge with people, and then they look at the board state, and like my opponent will have like 12 creatures on the board, I'll have like one, and then I'll be like, good game, I win. And they're just like, what? How? <laughs> it blows their mind. <laughs> Yeah. Uh. <laughs> like, uh, but it, yeah, Keyforge is like the thing that I, I find most rewarding in Keyforge, and and like the reason I like the turn-based system versus the interrupt system of Magic, like the instant gratification system, is um, I feel like. The skill of a player in Keyforge is very underrated um, by Magic players because they, they're like, it's a casual game, it's fun, but it's not tactical. And I'm like, I think it's more tactical because you really have to know where your opponent is going, what they're planning on doing, how are you going to interrupt it, when do I have to put my foot on the gas, when do I have to be passive, like, do I hold a card and get, take a chain for it, basically, or do I go ahead and... Um, you know, d- discard it because I think that I need the extra card right now. Like, I need to get to someplace else. Like, all these things are, like, really, like, things, that you, like, micro decisions that you have to make in Keyforge that in, in Magic, like you said, it's more of a macro decision. Like, you're just looking, and you're like, when you made your deck, you know that your deck is going to win a certain way, and this is what you, how you're going to get that life total to zero, and you and you work towards it. Like, playing Scred, it's like, I knew that as soon as I, I, I played my artifact, like, I played my guy that says that I can't die, <laughs> I win. Like, it was that easy. But I had to get to it, right? And it's like, and I knew how I had to get to it, and I knew how my opponent had to go. But it was still very linear, and it was, like, really like, can you deal with this right now? If you can't, I win, right? In Keyforge, it's not like that. In Keyforge, it's like I got turn. I got a turn to react to his. If he goes, if if George is going to try to put me in his restricted Guntis lock, I, it's okay because I have two houses that I can get out with. I can get out of it with, right? And these are plans I have to know. I have to know to keep that so that I can kill the restricted Guntis no matter which house you lock on me. And if I don't do that and I take a chance and you catch me on it, that's my fault. Completely my fault, right? Yeah. So that's the I love that about Keyforge. Yeah, I, I I love that too. You know, and I do feel like having that segment of time where you know you're going to be able to do the things you want to do and have to you know think through the ordering and all that stuff. Like, and then you you pause and you let your opponent do their thing, and it 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 definitely allows for each player to you know often enough feel like they're doing a cool thing and are doing well or at least are progressing their game right um yeah the the interrupt thing can be much more i can remember it being much more like hey you're playing against a blue deck and everything i try they just immediately before i get anything going they just immediately stop stop me in my tracks um and i don't like certainly there's some of that in in keyforge but i think because you have your whole turn you don't have it's not doesn't feel quite as bad actually how does that yeah, temper work even in in competitive right so so i know in keyforge right you're narrating your turn in, in the competitive sense if i'm playing competitive magic like do i have to pause after every thing i do or does my opponent have to say wait 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 
Like, how does that work? Uh, it's it's generally polite to do. I don't know how many seconds or whatever, but like, you announce the thing you're gonna do, and then you pause for a second. Um, some players will just say like resolves or anything else. Um, but if no response, then you can continue or say resolves or confirm it some other way. Yeah, if you're playing a fair game of, of, of Magic, you're always asking, does this resolve? Does this resolve? Because if you don't say that and you go, I play this, I play this, I play this, I play this, they can they can see your next three or four turns and go, wait, 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 I wanted to react to that, and the judge will always side with them. So like if you're a good if you're if you're a good competitive player, you're gonna ask for a resolution of everything you play, because if you don't, then you will get burned by it. You will give up information, which is very big in Magic, as in any game. Uh, okay. Okay, so the the person you can't just just go too fast, right? The judge will okay, got it, got it, got it. Interesting. Interesting. And there, this is something that, um, and this is more common with casual players who maybe haven't been around the magic block a hundred times. But there are things you can do in every color of magic to respond to something at key moments. Um, and people will think it's like bad manners to pause and wait for something to resolve when they're playing mono white or, you know, mono red or something like that, as if they don't have a response or don't have a counterspell. There's more things to do. Like, you can lose a game to the correctly timed lightning bolt that you wouldn't have lost if they mistimed it on their turn or something like that, for example. So. And this is Fifth Planet Keyforge Jupiter from Manlius, New York, and I am saying thank you to George Kegel for stopping in and having a long conversation with us. Thank you to my co-host Drazcore for always being awesome, and we hope that we'll catch you on the flip side.